Hey, housewives, come on in. You know the dirty dishes are still in the sink from yesterday and the laundry is still in the basket. Pop your AirPods in and make yourself at home here. I'm Tracy. I'm Tori. And we are your Unlikely Housewives. Stepping out in faith and believing that God calls the unlikely, we are here to show you the appreciation and validation you deserve, lead you to authentic relationships, and release you of believing the cultural lies to restore your faith and wellness. Pull up those high-waisted yoga pants, tighten your top knot, and reheat your coffee for the third time. Turn up the volume and let's go. Hey, housewives, welcome back. Hey, hey. We are excited to have our part two with one of the two Strong Family podcasts. We have Mel with us again, and I'm going to let Tori do a brief intro. Yes. Mel has a master's in social work from New York University. After five years of counseling families in abusive situations, she gave birth to her second son and decided to dedicate herself to being a stay-at-home mom. She consistently seeks opportunities to be involved in her children's schools, including volunteering weekly in her son's classrooms and participating in the Middle School Student Accountability Committee. She pours herself into being a mindfully present and intentional mother throughout the various phases of her son's childhood. Welcome, Mel. Thank you so much for being back with us to talk a little bit more in detail about the Strong Family Project and the path. For listeners, please go back and listen to our initial episode with both Mel and her husband, Joe, who created the Strong Family Project. They have a Strong Family podcast. They have a lot of resources, and that will give you the foundation of how Mel got to this very moment. But for the sake of time and energy, push pause, go back and listen, and then come back here as we break down the Strong Family Path. Yes. We would love for you to give us the elements of the strong family path. And then we're going to go a little bit more into depth about those core values and what a family meeting looks like. So just to give a little background of how we even got to considering thinking of having a path was after we moved, which we talked a lot about in the other episode, we would do certain things within our family, like having family meetings and having our core values set up. And then when people would visit us during that first year that we had moved, They'd be like, hey, you guys do some really cool things in like your daily structure of life that I think other families could possibly benefit from. So then that's where this idea was born of like, well, why don't we do a podcast? And if we're going to do a podcast, we need to figure out these elements. And we didn't realize we had seven, but Joe and I sat down and we're like, well, what do we do throughout the day that we feel like can be repeatable in all families? And that's really where we came up with these seven aspects we're going to talk about. We give examples of how we do it, but it can be implemented in such different ways in every individual family. But these are things that are repeatable in all families. So the first one, the family core values, the goal setting system, morning routines, family meetings, family meals, evening debrief, and then the relationships within the family. So there are seven things that we implement, I would say on a weekly basis. Throughout the week, we do different aspects of these things. Some of them are daily, some of them are weekly, but it really creates this high-functioning organization within the walls of our home that everyone in the family participates in. And I have three sons, like you mentioned, and they're ages 5, 11, and 13. At those ages, I mean, you hit that point in a family where 
they have more roles than just being a kid. <laughs> they can be serving and they can be involved and they can be doing chores. And I think with us, and I don't know about you guys, if you have like plan and chores and things, we're hitting the point where with four kids, there's a lot that can be done. It's just so spontaneous all the time. Like there's not a plan with it. And I think I'm an organized person. I like a plan. I think my kids like that too, but we don't run like that. So it's a little mm-hmm. chaotic. I feel like we have this controlled chaos, like, for example, in the morning, it's this controlled chaos in the kitchen. Everyone has their task and we do actually call it a contribution. So I feel like a lot of what the path does is give you language for how to communicate better with kids. Because I think when you hear chore, it's just like, went, went. nobody wants to do a chore. But if you say, hey, we're all contributing members of this family, like your contribution is unstacking this dishwasher. Like that is a way to contribute because if if they don't do it, someone else has to do it. So even it's something simple, like after I make my kids these morning protein shakes and they have to rinse the container, otherwise it will dry and it's impossible to clean. So like, hey, part of your contribution to help your mom out, because if you don't do it, I have to do it, is to thoroughly rinse your straw and cup. (laughs) And this is still something I have to remind my 13-year-old every day. But instead of saying like, you have to do this, this is a chore. It's like, this is how you contribute. This is how you help this family run smoothly. Even if it's within some chaos, it's still like everybody has their piece. Like my five-year-old opens the freezer door for my 11-year-old to put the ice trays back in. Like his contribution is opening that freezer door. It sounds like nothing, but like he runs over to do it because he's excited to contribute or he carries the shake like from the counter to the table for my older sons. So it's like everybody can contribute in some way But if they see it as a chore, because even that word chore like has a negative connotation, whereas contribution or even task, I guess, but contribution is the word that we choose to use, just has this positive, like I'm contributing to the betterment of this family. So we like using those certain terms. I love that. Okay, so we're going to dive into the family core values. That's the first one of the path. That's the foundation that you guys have created for your family. We heard a little bit about it in the previous episode, but why don't you go ahead and give how you guys came up with yours and then how to encourage families to do the same. And the path is like, these are not seven elements that have to like be done in a certain order with the exception of the core values because it really does help set up the foundation for everything. So the way that Joe and I came up with this was he has a business mind. And while he was still teaching, he took on starting a business And he had not gone to school for that. So he started taking different business owners out to lunch and just picking their brains and visiting different businesses. And the thing he saw in common with the ones that were successful were that they had a very clear mission statement and core values, and they didn't just live on a wall. The employees and the company actually made decisions based on those values. So we decided to apply that to family living. We want our kids to be part of a highly functioning organization. And one of those things that's really important to have is those core values. So Once Joe and I decided to do this, I think we took like two weeks and we wrote down separately everything that's valuable to us. And this can be things like reading, faith, cooking, going out, like anything, hiking, like it's anything that you find valuable at all, even if it sounds silly. And all of those values are important. I think I might have come up with like 50 and he might have had a little bit less than me or whatever. And once we felt like we had basically exhausted the list, we sat down and had a meeting together. I think we actually did this on a car ride to Maine. And at that time we lived in New York. So it was like a six hour drive. And I'm like, why not just do this while we're driving? Like combine two things. 
So I would read his list and my list. And we have this technique that he took from business called kill, keep, or combine. If it's a value that's good, but not something you're going to like stand for, like your family has to be about this because the goal really is to get it down to like five to seven values so you can remember them. So we go through and if it was something that was important, but not like super important, you wouldn't like die on that hill. You would cross it off. You would kill it off the list. Keep means this is something that's a contender. We're going to keep that on the list. And then there's combine. So if there were similarities between the lists, you would combine anything that was similar and just picked whichever word we preferred. Our example we always use is gratitude, thankfulness, means the same thing, chose the word gratitude. And then eventually, through some really good deep discussion, we whittled it down to six for our family. Because some people try to make it real fancy. Like, well, my last name is Hashi. I'm going to think of one for every letter of my name. And when you get real fancy, you kind of lose what this is really about. And I think it's awesome to find a cool way to display it. But you really have to try to find what you're really about. And this can be done. I think it'd be awesome if people did it before they had kids. Or even if you are like my mother-in-law, she lives on her own. She just spent some time, came up with her own personal core values. So we talk about it in terms of family, but it also can be an individual person as well. So once we whittled it down to six... And our kids at the time, I think were like one, six and eight, something like that. We need to find a way to display it. Now, I made little bookmarks because I wanted to be able to put it throughout the house on different surfaces. So wherever you go, you see them. And we discussed it with the kids at a family meeting. And we brought it up to them. We explained what each one meant. And at first, it's like, okay, what does this really mean? But we would make sure that at dinner, every night at dinner, it was on the table. And we would bring up one of them. Like, hey, let's talk about gratitude today. And we would talk about what that means and just slowly start to like infiltrate it in your family, in your daily living. It's not just a list that lives on a table. Or if you have a creative kid, they can make some kind of piece of art with it, put it on the wall, have them be a piece of this. And if you have teenagers or kids that they want to be a part of it in a bigger way, I would always start it with like the couple first or the adult in the family because... I think you need to be able to think it through before you bring it to kids, but then you can obviously bring in their input, especially teenagers. They need Mm buy-in. And oftentimes if you're like, hey, I'm going to make you do this now, they're not going to really be on board. So if there's a way to get their buy-in, get their involvement, really take their opinion seriously on what value should be on there, kids oftentimes have awesome ideas. So they just need to feel like they're part of something. So that's really the process of coming up with the values. And it does take some time. And I know that can turn people off. But I think once you do that process and you have this list, it's so freeing because whenever you have a decision to make, here's your filter. Whenever the kids come home with a problem from school, here's your filter about talking about it. Whenever your kids who are siblings to each other, if they fight about something, we use the terms from our values to talk to them Mm -hmm. to the point where they have it memorized it's almost one of those like eye roll things sometimes, but if you didn't have that, it would just be, you just hope for the best. And I don't want to hope for the best. I want to plan for the best. So that's where the process of how we came up with it. And maybe I can shift to how to implement it because I think that's kind of where the fun part goes. One really fun way of doing this, so at dinner time, which is one of the elements of the path, is trying to have a family meal as often as you can during the week. Our youngest, who's five, is in charge of gratitude. And what that means, he doesn't necessarily share his own gratitude. He's not like wanting to do that yet. And we don't push it, but he gets to go around the table and choose who gets to share gratitude. So, and he does this in very interesting ways. So he'll either tap you gently, which he tends to do for me, or he will chase my 13-year-old around the house for like up to five minutes. And then once he captures him, it's Logan, 
turn to share. Logan's my oldest. And then with my husband, he like punches him in the arm like as hard as he can. <laughs> we all laugh every time. And like my husband's just like, oh, did a mosquito bite me? Like, But the, the five-year-old, Everett, he feels so empowered and so a part of this family by being the one to do that. Like mm-hmm. he's in charge of that. It's not like he does it one day and then the other kids do it another day. Like that is his task. He takes it really seriously. And sometimes we'll have dinner and then we're like, oh my gosh, we didn't do gratitude. Everett will say, is it time to do it now? And then sometimes I'll pick you twice. But my whole point is that that's how we've continued doing gratitude on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. There's other ways to do it too. The kids will write it in their morning journal sometimes, our evening debrief, which is like when I meet with them at night to talk about whatever they might want to talk about. We always do a little prayer slash gratitude then. So we're like trying to find ways throughout the day to talk about the values and not just talk about them, but actually do them. And the other big way is actually in the family meeting. I wanted to say something. You you didn't say ownership, but kind of like their ownership in their contribution, right? So something fun that we just did this week, and it kind of goes with the family dinner, is I've been struggling with our four kids and their activities and us having a family dinner is rare. I mean, this was Tuesday night. I planned a family dinner party. And on Monday night, we did like a wheel decide. And we had sides or dessert and I just spun the wheel and each kid got to pick whether they were making a side or a dessert. And then my husband and I were in charge of the main meal or the main dish. And so they had to all text me their Pinterest recipe. They got to pick and choose. So honestly, I thought we were going to have like a mess of things, like nothing go together, but it actually completely went together. But they each sent me a recipe and I got all the ingredients for everything. I just shopped on Tuesday for all the ingredients. And we each got together at like 4.30 on Tuesday night. We were in our Christmas jammies. We played music and each person made their dish. And at the end of the night, I cannot tell you how amazing it was. My 11-year-old was like, this was the best bonding we've had in a really long time. And I thought it was going to be a hot mess. And I was anxious for a little bit because they're like, mom, where's this? Mom, where's this? And I thought I'd completely prepared like, I had their recipe, all their ingredients, the measuring cups and bowls that they each needed. Like I pre-planned because I thought you're all not going to go start going through my cupboard. But it was still kind of crazy as everybody was like, turn on the stove, prep in the oven, all the things. What's so crazy is I'm sure a lot of families do that normally, like having family dinner or having their kids chip in. And we don't. My next family dinner that we get to do is next Thursday. There are nine days, I think, eight days between when we can sit down and have a meal as a family. And that's just the way our schedule looks like right now. And it's crazy. But that intentionality of, okay, that night is free. No one's going to friends' houses. No one's going to do anything. We are going to do something together. And I just want to encourage families because we are a busy family and sadly don't have family meals very often. So protect that space and do something like that because it really does bring a lot of togetherness. I agree. And I have two thoughts. So one of our values is wanting to be together. (laughs) So you really embody that in doing that, whether that's one of your core values or not. Because I think sometimes, like you said, a lot of families are already doing some of these steps of the path. They're already having some family meals or they already have a morning routine or whatever the case may be, and they could just take it to the next level. This almost defines it and makes you feel like, hey, I can check off. I do three of these things. Maybe I should invest in some of these other pieces and it can take us to the next level. And also the intentionality behind it. So if you, like we just got over some sports seasons and it was crazy at those times. Sometimes we'd be eating at like four o'clock before practice 
or we would eat kind of separately. But then after the last kid would come home from practice at like 7 p.m., he would eat and then we would just like kind of sit with him, mm-hmm. even if we weren't eating. So it's that, and I'm not saying everyone needs to do it that way, but it was our way to still come together as a family every day, even if it's just for five to 10 minutes while the last kid is eating mm-hmm. his peanut butter sandwich or whatever yep. the kids may be. <laughs> So there's just a bit more intentionality behind the decision making versus at that point, my other two could have been playing a game. My husband could have been in the room working, but instead, because that's one of our values to be together and we believe in those family meals that we did take the time to step away from whatever else to be together for a few minutes. Then another example I wanted to share, the favorite value of ours that's mine is wanting to be together. I want to like soak up as much time with my kids as possible because I recognize that they will not always be mm-hmm. home or little. And they always tease me whenever there's a birthday. There's like, you see, we're getting a little older now. And I'm like, stop it. Like, I just want you to be little. Mm-hmm. Or my five-year-old, I said, I told you to stop growing because he'll always like need the next pair of shoes. And he goes, mommy, my body does what my body does. And it was like, <laughs> a little thing. As moms, we do want a little time to ourselves sometimes. And I, at one point, went downstairs to do a puzzle because I just, I enjoyed that. I enjoy that. And I was like, okay, I'm going to have like 10 minutes to myself to do this puzzle. And slowly, like every kid started to come down the stairs. Mm-hmm. And I initially thought to myself, like, I wanted some time alone. But then I realized here they are embodying the core value of wanting to be together. Mm-hmm. And they didn't necessarily come and do the puzzle with me, but like my 11-year-old will bring down our little indoor basketball hoop and he'll hook it on the door downstairs. My older one would hang out and play Christmas music for me and just like sit at the table. And the little one, I don't know, he was like playing with stuffed animals or something. But I think I could have gotten upset that they weren't giving me my time. But then I realized they're truly embodying that core value, whether they know it or not, by coming down the stairs and wanting to be close and hang out instead of choosing some other thing they could have been doing on their own. So I think it also, when you have your core values set up, it like shifts your mindset about all the decisions in the family that that you're doing, that they're doing. And that's another way to teach them the values is like, hey, you guys came down to join me. That's one of our core values. Do you see how you're living by that? (laughs) So trying to be able to point it out as often as possible is really, really powerful. That's kind of what solidifies it inside them. And I do want them to someday meet someone and come up with their own values. I don't want them to think like, hey, you have to pass on these six values for the rest of eternity. They get to take what they like, create something different for themselves or whatever the case may be. I mean, I get excited about it because I think I love seeing us make decisions based on our values. And like you said earlier, a lot of families are already doing these things. But if you put a name to it, it's that much more powerful. Like my family does this. My family is this versus just we had a great weekend. Well, why? Well, because we were adventurous because that's one of our values. We spent time together. That's one of our values. I think that helps kids kind of identify who they are. Well, and I think that encourages positivity. Like we celebrate the wins. You know, that's what we say. Like, what's your win of the day? That's celebrating the wins of something that you know you're trying to achieve. And the more that you can bring the attention to that, a way to have gratitude today when you've had a really bad day, way to be positive or way to spend some time with your brother when you didn't have to. Like just those kinds of things, that's celebrating a win. And it totally puts a positive spin on it. Totally agree. A value could be be positive, right? Yeah. Like find the silver linings and everything. I think there is power to defining some things. Mm-hmm. And you've got a great resource on y'all's website, which is just examples of 50 different core values that just give people a starting place. Mm-hmm. So definitely check out 
their website, which is strongfamilyproject.com. And you can download that resource. So one of the other elements we wanted to talk about is family meeting. Meeting sounds boring. There's <laughs> memes all over that say this 30-minute meeting could have been an email. Like nobody <laughs> wants to do a meeting. So tell us a little bit about what makes these meetings part of the strong family path. I think you just hit the nail on the head, first of all, to like think about what you think about meetings first, because my husband was a teacher and once went to a two-hour meeting to pick the color of the wall in the new wing of the high school. Like, what a waste of time. But that sticks with you when you're an adult. Like those things, you just never want to have meetings. So the first thing is to be consistent. So I think a lot of times when people hear family meeting, it reminds them of, oh no, something bad. Like we're going to have to have a family meeting because someone passed away and we have to deal with that or we're moving or whatever the case may be. Usually it has a negative connotation that something wrong is happening and we have to discuss it as a family. So we take the stigma away from the word meeting by having it every Saturday. And honestly, we've been a little off track lately and I feel like it, I feel like something's off because we haven't had a meeting in two weeks, which again, we're, we're a work in progress too. Like just because we follow the steps of the path does not mean that every day goes perfectly. I do feel off because we haven't had that meeting for two weeks. We had guests in town. But again, we do strive to even keep these things going when we have guests. But, you know, life, you're not going to always do everything perfectly. But I feel a slight shift in our family the last two weeks because we haven't done it. So we're going to do it tomorrow. Consistency is super important. We do it every Saturday during dinner. It's just something that we can always rely on. It does not have to be during a meal, but we're already sitting together. So it works for us. And the first component of the family meeting is everybody has to come up with a way that they've embodied a core value, which we just talked about, in the previous week. So my middle son loves to mountain bike. So if he took his mountain bike out after school and he's been working on making a trail like in the yard, that's him being adventurous so he can bring that up. And my oldest son, he loves being genuine. He loves to work on 3D printers and we're trying to find ways for him to be able to do that. And he usually brings up that that's how he's genuine by doing that stuff because it's outside of school. And the other twist to this is instead of saying what you did to embody a core value, you can point out what someone else in the family did. So either one of us or one of the kids can say to us, hey, you embodied having gratitude when you sat down and you wrote down five things you were thankful for in your journal. So you kind of start to point out in others in your family what they're doing to go along with the core values, not just like a, oh, well, this is what I did, but also pointing out what others did. That can be really, really powerful and like complementary especially if there's like some sibling struggles, if they have to point out something someone else did well, I think it grows bonds really well. So after we do that, we go into basically the meat and potatoes of the meeting is discussion topics is what we call it. And my husband does like lead the meeting. He's kind of the one that keeps us not getting off track because it's easy to kind of like take tangents and anybody can bring up a topic. Oftentimes it can be the schedule for the coming week. Hey, you have practice this night, there's a game or whatever. But oftentimes it's more something that's on the kids' minds or recently for myself, I want the kids to read every day for 15 minutes. And they're not really the type of kids that want to just pick up a book and read. We kind of have to enforce that. So that's been one of my goals to help them move that along. So I'll say, I want you guys to read 15 minutes a day. How are you going to do that? And then I ask them for their opinion. This is why I think the kids like the meeting the most, because it is not mom and dad telling the kids what to do or just telling them what's wrong. 
We bring up a topic. We say success looks like reading 15 minutes a day. How are we going to make this happen? And they come up with a solution. So when they come up with the solution, they have the buy-in because they came up with it. So if they say, well, mom, you're really good at making a chart, which I love charts, make us a chart and we'll check it off every day. And then a week later, we check in at the next meeting. How did that go? Is this working? If it's not working, let's come up with a different solution. But I think the key is they are sitting at a table of a highly functioning team. They are contributing with their own ideas and solutions, and then they get to actually live it out and be a piece of it. It's not this top down, we're telling you what to do. Well, my husband will always say, he's like, I always start with the words success looks like. So if you're using your computer too much, success looks like you're using your computer only an hour a day. How are we going to do that? And then we turn it to them and see if they have any solutions. They also get to bring up their own topics too. So it's not just mom and dad bringing up topics. They can bring up whatever they want as well. And sometimes this helps during the week because you know during the week, things are really, really busy and something might come up, an issue, and we can decide, is this an issue that we have to address in the moment right now? Or can this be kind of tabled till the meeting? And I think it gives them this idea of like compartmentalizing, like I don't have to worry about this or talk about this until the meeting on Saturday. And I think that's a really just like emotionally intelligent thing for kids to learn. Oftentimes we want like instant solution, instant gratification. And sometimes you need that, Mm -hmm. but sometimes it's good to just say, we're going to table that till Saturday, bring it up at the meeting, write a post-it note if you need to. That's what I was going to say, write it down because we're going to forget. (laughs) And they'll say that to me, like, mom, can you write this down so I can remember to bring it up? Sure. But they're learning to hold that for a couple of days. And um, I think that's really powerful because a lot of times adults even can't hold on to something for a couple of days. Yeah. So we had the discussion topics. They learn how to communicate. I think in the other podcast we recorded, you talked about how dinner time is a great time for learning how to actively listen. This is another skill that's worked on during the family meeting, because if you're going to offer solutions, we have to be able to all bounce ideas off of each other and not interrupt and wait till the other person is done. And we actually came up with this solution for our five-year-old that I learned from a friend. He wants to like say something and it's hard for them to wait. So what I told him is he has to either say, excuse me, or he has to put his hand on my arm. That's what my kids did when they were little. Oh, oh really? Okay. So- to me when I was talking to someone and they would hold my wrist. And mm-hmm. my youngest, who's nine, still does it. Like, oh, really? That's yeah, awesome. Not, I mean, and what's crazy is it didn't continue. I mean, my kids interrupt all the time as they're older. I'll tell you what, that is one thing that worked when they were toddlers and preschoolers. Like, mommy, I'm here. Mm-hmm. You put your hand on top of theirs. So that they know that you know, but let me finish what I'm saying and then you can ask your question or whatever. Exactly. So it's just, it's almost, I look at every day and every different aspect of the path as like opportunity. Mm -hmm. The family meeting is an opportunity not to just solve problems, but learn how to communicate better, learn how to actively listen, learn how to point out good things in others, learn how to share gratitude, like all that stuff can come out of it. So once we get through the discussion topics, we do tough truths. This is really interesting. So We have created a situation in our family where we can give each other criticism without falling apart, right? Like this should be a safe place to be able to point out some kind of a criticism and know that it's coming from a loving place. So we can give the kids tough truths. They can give us tough truths. And I think that's empowering for kids too. Like I can point out to my parent that I don't like something that they did. I think that's really powerful. Mm -hmm. So for example, one time my husband... He works a lot. He works from home. It's hard to separate work from 
family life. And he has worked really hard on that and makes, has made a lot of progress, but it's still a struggle because the laptop's right there just waiting for you. It's not like he gets to leave an office and go home. So he was on his phone one time at dinner time, And my son brought this up to me in between, like during the week sometime. And I said, you know what? You need to bring that up at the family meeting. You can point that out to dad. Like he can take it. And I think it's important for kids to know that they don't have to fear, like they can show what they think. Mm-hmm. So he did it. And I was like, even if you get nervous, like I'll help you, like whatever. So he said it to my husband and it was really powerful because now he doesn't take his phone to the table anymore. And like, do we slip sometimes? Of course we do. But it was really empowering for my son to say that to him and for him to say, you know what? You're right. Mm-hmm. I need to put this family time at dinner over work and that can wait. And it really helped my husband to like think of a new plan. Like during dinner, during that 30 minutes, like I can't look at my phone. And then one time, this is kind of a funnier one, but my son told me that he did not like the dinner I made. So that was yeah. a tough for me. Oh, so they're suppo- they don't say that every night to you yeah, like they do to me? Yeah. There's always a complaint yeah. out of four kids. No one's ever said. That's so funny. So sidebar, we, it's so hard as I'm sure to make everybody happy at dinner. So sometimes we'll say, if you don't want what we have, like everybody likes burgers except my five-year-old. So he gets to have oatmeal with protein mixed in, whatever. But the other night I went to a Mexican restaurant, which I don't normally think that the kids like, but I made burritos at home because I wanted like, I love this, this dinner at this restaurant. I want to try to make this at home. I don't make Mexican food ever. So I did not know it was going to turn out well, but you can put the cheese on, you could put on whatever you want. Everybody loved it. I'm like, I can't, I still can't believe it. I I was expecting one of the kids to say, nah, that's not for me. I'm going to go make myself oatmeal or whatever. Everyone liked it. After you have tough truths in your family meetings, what is next? So next is we set up our weekly commitments. So this does relate to the goal portion of the path. So each of us has set some annual goals at the beginning of the year or whatever time of year you want to. And we all know that when we set a goal, oftentimes it kind of loses its luster after a while because it almost feels too big. So we set little mini goals every week. So what is something that each of us can do every day this week? So let's say one of my goals was to read more books because I just really enjoy reading and haven't found the time. So my goal might be 10 minutes a day or 10 pages a day for this particular week. So it's a little step towards the goal and the kids can see that goal setting is really something that has to get broken down into little pieces. So we go around the table, we set up what our weekly commitment is for that week. And we call it a commitment because you're supposed to commit to doing it for that week, only for those seven days. So it shouldn't be something crazy. And I usually write them down. And every night at dinner, we check in, have we done the commitment yet or not? And that's a little friendly reminder to still get it done that day. And then once we get through that, we do compliments. So basically, this started out by give someone a compliment who's sitting to your right. And it quickly became give a compliment to everyone at the table. So it's another way to bond with your family, build each other up. You have to point something out in other people at the table. And it gets really funny when the kids do it because they'll point out like silly things about each other. But that's kind of the point. You're supposed to have fun and see the good in every person at the table. So once we do that, we finish our meeting with firm handshakes. So this is another like kind of thing you take from business or just from being taken seriously. We think it's really important that our kids be able to walk into a room, look someone in the eye, give them a handshake. Like those are all things that I think are sometimes they feel like they're of the past, but they really aren't. It's so funny that you say this because I do a lot of networking meetings 
And I get complimented on my handshake all the time. It's the weirdest thing, but it's something that my mom taught me when I was little and I am an only child. I would go with her everywhere. And anytime we walked into a situation or I was meeting one of her friends or something like that, it was, how do you do Mrs. So-and-so? And I put out my hand mm-hmm. and I learned how to make eye contact and a firm handshake. But it's funny because people to this day make comments about it because they're like, oh, it's nobody likes a wet wet noodle. Yes, exactly. Handshake because it's like, oh, there's there's something about it. If I'm going to walk into a meeting or if I'm meeting someone who's going to, I don't know, do my driveway or something like I can't think of an example right now. And if they come and they give me a handshake that's really weak, like I don't trust their work. (laughs) That's a good point. I have a little bit less confidence in your ability if you don't know how to give me a good handshake. And this really played out well with our oldest. He's always been a bit more shy and we really want to work on him having more confidence, putting his shoulders back and all that stuff. But he went to the, there's a library that's attached to this. I'm not even trying to explain it. It's like an art center, but there's all these different power tools there that he can learn how to use. And he loves this stuff. When we moved from New York, this was one of the losses for him. My dad has a workshop in his basement. And I'm like, how can we fill this need for him and not just sit here and feel sad that we don't have access to my dad's? So there's this tool shop at this library and my son can go and build with all this stuff. But the reason he can is that he walked in the first day and he gave these people handshakes. And when I went to pick him up, the man who was there, because it's like volunteer people that come and help these kids. He's like, your son had a really good handshake. And I think because of that, he now has their trust to be able to work with the tools. Now, they didn't just say, you have a nice handshake, go work with whatever power tool you want. He obviously showed them that he had some experience with, because he had done this with my dad. But I think that handshake kind of like started that foundation for like, hey, here's a kid that might really know what he's doing. Here's a kid I can invest some time into. I can trust him more. And I think that really was a big deal. And that man pointed it out to me when I came to pick him up. So at the end of our family meetings, I think it's good to have some kind of a closing gesture. And ours is a handshake. Now, of course, because I'm mom, I reach over for a hug as well. And that becomes a bit of a joke too. But it's just a nice way to know that the meeting's adjourned, basically. Those are all the steps of it. And the kids really enjoy it. They point it out when we miss it too. Like we didn't do our family meeting. Like what's going on? That's (laughs) awesome. That is awesome. Well, I think we're a lot of like, I'm a hugger too. (laughs) Might be like, okay, handshake or hug tonight. Which is it? (laughs) That's right. Both. You lead in with a handshake and then you pull them in for the hug. Yeah, there you go. You've already good. got their hand in the hug. That's pull right. Them in. <laughs> well, this has been fantastic, Mal. Thank you so much for your time and for the value. Like, it's a big deal to make a podcast and to not just do this for your family, but to share it with others, to take the time to share it with others. Because that's an investment. That's time away from your family. Saying yes to one thing is saying no to another. Doing a lot of other things, building another business, building another gym or whatever. But instead, you're like, this is something that we can give back. And you've clearly followed God's calling. And he's like, I want you to show this and share this and model this. And I think it's incredible. So thank you so much for that, Mal. I appreciate that so much. I mean, it's really twofold. We wanted to share with others. I think it is a calling and I still don't know where God's going to take it. And I'm really curious about that. I pray about 
Joe's schedule letting up a bit so that we can invest more time with these things. And also him and I sitting down once a week to record our podcast, it does bring us closer together. It refocuses us on our values because we're real people. We fall behind. We miss those meetings a couple of weeks and it keeps us connected. It keeps us pouring back into our kids. And I really just wanted to share something with people. This became, we're just trying to build a community of people that want to have strong families because I think family is attacked these days. And we want to fight against that. Hey, would you share, because you said you're trying to build community, what your Facebook page is, if if anyone wants to join that community, and then where to find you on social. Sure. Our website is strongfamilyproject.com with links to everything there. But on Facebook, we are Strong Family Co. is the public page. And then Strong Family Life is the private page you can join to become part of the community. We're also on Instagram at official Strong Family Co. And also we released our first book. It's a guidebook about all the things I talked about and it shares a bit more about our story on Amazon. It's under $10 and it's really not a money-making endeavor. It's a how else can we get this out to people? Because I know I'm visual. I like having a book in front of me and that's really, really helpful. So we hope that people can find value in that and just find as this new year is coming, this could be the next thing and not necessarily a resolution, but I think with new year's, However tacky resolutions can be, it does feel like a fresh beginning. So I I hope that that can be that for a lot of families. Thank you so much, Mel. And listeners, we'll have all those links for you guys in our show notes. And until next time, housewives, have a good week. Bye. Thanks, Mel. Whether we made you laugh or cry today, we pray you feel appreciated, bolder and braver than yesterday, stronger and more faithful for tomorrow and living in who you were made to be today. Join our online community on Facebook, link in the show notes, and be sure to review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you enjoy listening. Until next time, housewives, we give you permission to walk confidently, free, and to be intentional in your slippers or stilettos.